Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, brought to you every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Aetherius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age, revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on other planets, and much more. Today, A Serious Radio Live is hosted by Chrissy Blaze, talking with her guest, Alison Lawrence, an international director of the Ethereum Society, about her scientific and astronomical research, particularly with reference to the subject of today's show, Mars, the Red Planet. So without further ado, I give you your host, Chrissy Blaze, and her guest, Alison Lawrence. Thank you very much, Nikki, and hello, Alison. Welcome. Hello, Chrissy. Lovely to talk to you again. And you, welcome back to Ethereus Radio Live. I know you've been on it a couple of times, and it's such a pleasure to have you because I have to say to everybody that Alison is an avid researcher of uh, especially uh, recent scientific discoveries and how these confirm spiritual thought. Especially, specifically, she's interested in doing this with the cosmic teachings of the Ethereum Society. And her latest research, as Nikki, um, our producer, mentioned, is on the fascinating topic of Mars. And this, as taught in the Ethereum Society, is a planet in our solar system peopled by a highly advanced race. And in this interview today, we will discuss Mars from a scientific and astronomical perspective, and also from a cosmic and spiritual perspective. So it's going to cover a lot today. Um, I'd like to begin, yes, however, by talking. A, yes, it certainly is. Um, I'd like to begin, however, by saying a little bit about this planet from um, an astrological perspective. That's my background, and to sort of set the scene as to why it's significant that we're talking about the planet Mars at this very moment. Um, just the influence of Mars on a basic level. The planet Mars in astrology is the planet of energy and action and our survival instinct. Um, it's a vital energy that drives us to build and to achieve our goals. If we understand its power and embrace it and wield it, it's an energy we can use to go forward bravely, to conquer our fears. And we should remember that bravery is the first freedom, as we talked about in a previous show on the nine freedoms. And the positive Mars energy is courageous and assertive and directed and focused. But right now, interestingly enough, as we broadcast this show on June the 21st, 2016, Mars is what we call retrograde. And this retrograde motion is when a planet appears to be going backwards in the heavens. Of course, it doesn't really, but it's, you could say, an optical illusion. But it still has a very significant effect, just as many people have heard of Mercury retrograde. It really affects us. Well, so too does Mars retrograde. And this particular phenomenon of Mars appearing to go backwards takes place about every two years. Um, 
But this particular period, which we're in, is very, very unusual because it lasts, is lasting so long. It's 10 weeks, a 10-week period, which is very unusual. It began on April the 18th. And it ends on June the 29th. And I'm sure some of you have felt uh, that you're kind of moving one step forward and two steps back. Because don't forget, Mars is a planet of action. And when it's uh, going backwards or appearing to, it's like we're, we're not getting anywhere. We're treading water in certain areas of our life. Um, I'm just going to give a short overview. And if you want more information, you can go to my website blog on uh, a uh, astrologycity.com but it's a frustrating time in one way and it affects everybody in the world and um, it's just what we can't seem to get things done in the same way but what's happening is that the Martian impulse if you like is slowed down and deepened and Mars in this particular case began its journey in, in the sign of Sagittarius April the 18th and is now has now moved back to Scorpio one of the signs that it rules, apart from Aries, and it makes it very intense. It's a very intense time and has a sort of volcanic feeling to it. I certainly recognize it in my life, and um, things seem to be bubbling under the surface, but we can't quite put our finger on them yet. And although it may slow us down, and it does slow us down, and we find during this time we're probably having to deal with you know, rather deep emotions rather than this constant action, it's actually an excellent time to delve deep within and deal with those buried emotions and outworn habits and, that we all have and make some very important inner changes so that we can go forward after June the 29th uh, in a much more positive and powerful way. But it's also uh, a good time for research. And the kind of research that Alison's been doing, which sheds light on things that have been hidden in the past. It's bringing things, these sort of things under the surface to light. So I think this is a good time to introduce um, Alison with this topic of Mars, the red planet, and to ask you, Alison, what yes, first hi. led you to, hi there, Alison, uh, what first <laughs> led you to begin your research on the planet Mars? Well, the, a lot of information was um, being publicized and all the different probes that were being sent out to Mars. So there's obviously an interest, even if it's covert, if you know what I mean. Right. And uh, I suddenly thought, we've got a wealth of information in the Ethereum Society about life on the planets. Uh, and, that, and this information was given through the mediumship of Dr. George King, and uh, the various cosmic masters, including from Mars and Venus and Jupiter as well, have given information about life on their worlds. And in some ways, uh, there's a tradition, a particular tradition between Mars and our planet. If you look back to the ancient civilization, you know, like Atlantis and then before that Lemuria, and they all talk about the gods from space and uh, the Vimanas, the flying craft. And uh, uh, some of the traditions of the ancient kings of, say, ancient Sumeria, um, you know, they, say they are regarded as being extraterrestrial, that they did not actually come, you know, from this world. And this is sort of pre-flood information. 
And uh, they lived for tens of thousands of years, and they ruled for as long as that. And that does actually tie in with uh, some of the ancient writings from India, ancient India, about the different ages of man. Like uh, the age, the golden age was when uh, a human being could live for up to 40,000 years. And it's very interesting because, yes, uh, this, is, this is all recorded. It's, uh, it's, you, can, you can find that. It's, uh, you know, it's part of their tradition or their religious belief. But these are all, uh, it's all information that's been sort of handed down and published and, and preserved. And uh, even, uh, even the Hopi Indians I read only recently believe that their ancestors came from the Red Planet, or there certainly was a link with the Red Planet. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very relevant to our world today that, you know, we're, there's a, a search for extraterrestrial life and a, a probe has just been launched in the last few months to Mars yeah. y- yet again. And uh, I thought it's a very topical subject to be talking about. Yeah. And th- there's so much evidence that is there and has been kept from the public about life, even on the physical plane, that really does demonstrate that the teachings that were given in the late 1950s are absolutely correct. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I was just wondering, Alison, um, you say a lot of information is coming out. Is this information that everyone listening can get hold of? how, How do we get this? Is it just being released freely by the scientific community? Well, what happens is this, um, all these uh, images are relayed back from Mars. And uh, in 2001, there was a press conference and uh, it was given by Tom Van Flanden, who was, uh, he was the astronomer for the observatory of the American Navy. And he got together with another ex-Apollo astronaut and uh, they've done research, um, presentations about photographs that came through what they call the NASA feed. So all mm-hmm. these uh, images, and there were like 67,000, and that was in 2001. So there must oh. be at least double that now. And yeah. uh, before anything can happen to them, there are a lot of people who are just waiting to pick them up. And uh, be- before they're doctored or re-digitalized whatever they do to them that they and then and then they're presented by nasa you know this is their interpretation but these a lot of these images show plant life standing water lakes Mm. monuments it's it's quite incredible and they're all authentic photographs and they're all available to see that's very interesting isn't it um, because in this sort of technological age, it's very simple to uh, change photographs, as it was more difficult before, previously. Um, I just, I, know. I think in the past, I think I'm right in saying that I think only a few years ago they were saying that uh, there's no water on Mars. Is that correct? And now you're saying that there are photographs of water on Mars. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely a fact. Yeah. Um, you see, they, you know, we talk about Mars being the red planet. And in fact, uh, I just received a magazine called Atlantis Rising. I subscribe to it. It's actually an American magazine. And this edition is, about, is entitled, Why is the Martian Sky Blue? 
and there are photographs which are uh, calibrated to the the flag, the American flag, being red, white, and blue, the stripes. And then Mm -hmm. you look out at the the picture over the horizon, and the sky is much bluer than they have portrayed in the past. Really? Um, Yes, there is there is more iron oxide in the soil because the the Martian desert, so it can't really be compared to the deserts on Earth, which is sand, because that was caused by water, because a lot of the deserts were once underwater. And some of the deserts on Mars, it's a different different structure, if you like. It's the subsoil. It's got a lot of iron in it, which gives it a slightly pinker uh, image or colouring, but it's certainly not as red as they as, the, as they've been portraying in the past. Yeah, and it's so that very means, significant. Mm, sorry, sorry, Alice. Carry I'm on. Sorry yeah. for interrupting. No, so what it means is that there has to be more oxygen in the atmosphere than they're letting on. There are clouds. You can have an overcast sky, but um, it would be probably like standing on the top of Mount Everest. You know, you wouldn't be able to breathe properly. You would have difficulty right. breathing, but it's not a vacuum, as they, you know, they've been saying, which is like right. a tiny percentage of, of the density of the Earth's atmosphere, but enough it's to sustain plant life, as 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 far as we can see at at the moment. But uh, that's just one part of the story. <laughs> yeah, because of course, where there's water and where there's oxygen, you've got life, you know. So. Uh, and li- life uh, as we know it, <laughs> life as we know it. Yes, yeah, but I think probably they've known about Mars since, for a long time because I remember when I was young, a teenager, my brother was into this, and he he was he used to tell me how they were thinking they wanted to colonize Mars at that point in the you know long long time ago in the 60s and 70s. So I think this is something that's coming out now, as you say, but probably has been known about uh, a long time. Hopefully that they won't achieve that, because I, I think I'm right in saying that they have tried to land on Mars several times, but it's been really, really difficult and frustrating yes, and for I mean, Some spacecraft, some probes have actually missed the planet, and then they just, it just they carry on sort of floating out into space. Forever, <laughs> but I yeah. mean, when you think about it, the first... Uh, you know, uh, reports about Mars really were uh, Giovanni Schiaparelli in the 19th century, and he started to observe the canals on Mars, and then they kept changing position. And really? so people, yes, so people just assumed that, uh, oh well, they're, they're canals, they're vegetation strips, and even the possibilities of a Martian civilization, and that was taken as red. And until they started photographing, uh, the planet, but of course, you know, the, the first images they were just photographing the desert areas, and I mean, it's it's not as rich in vegetation as Earth, not at all. You can't compare it, but there are right. what you call vegetation strips, and I mean, the information was given in the cosmic teachings about exactly that, and in yes. fact. Uh, you know, uh, one of the great communicators, Mars Sector 6, did actually say that there are vegetation strips. He was very, uh, you know, clear about that. And yeah. he also said that they're planted in such a way that they are completely in harmony with the prevailing magnetic fields releasing oxygen into the atmosphere. So they have a, a reason and a purpose for that. 
Right, and right. Y- yes, and uh, Dr. King, our master, said that there there are trees on Mars which could be as high as the Empire State Building. Now, that's quite a statement. Yes. And what happens? Uh, in 2010, the Daily Telegraph publishes a photograph uh, of very tall trees in a sort of slightly pinkish desert landscape. And straight away, uh, NASA comes back and says, oh, no, they're not, they might look like conifers, but they aren't. It's an optical illusion. And the explanation they give is really trails of debris caused by landslides as ice melts in Mars's spring. And uh, they say that, that the frozen ice is a carbon dioxide. Well, I've got something else oh, I can tell you about that. Carbon dioxide does not go from a frozen state to a liquid state and then vapor like water. That uh, What we call dry ice is, uh, is actually frozen ca- carbon dioxide, and that goes straight from frozen to gas. So... I mean, and it freezes at minus 78 degrees centigrade. Well, I mean, no plant life could live you know, at that temperature. That really is too right. cold. So that the atmosphere has to be warmer. It's, it doesn't get as hot as Earth, but still enough to sustain some kind of life. And close-ups were taken of these, uh, some of these images of these tall, dark conifers and they've got roots that are digging deep into the, into the soil. And the close-ups have been published, actually. It's in a book called Ancient Aliens on Mars by Mike Barra. And, I mean, he's done some fantastic research on that level. That's so interesting. Why do you think that the authorities don't want us to know the truth about things like this that are so interesting? Well, it's the uh, silence group. There's a a definite covert plan to prevent the uh, terrestrial population from knowing the truth about life on other worlds. And in the 1960s, there was something that was commissioned called the Brookings Report. Um, And they had to come up with some legal reason why this information had to be withheld so they couldn't be sued. And this is, this will make you laugh. One of the first, the most important aspect of this, and I quote from actually from the report: "All groups, scientists, and engineers might be the most devastated by the discovery of relatively superior creatures, since these professions are most clearly associated with mastery of nature." I mean, that is a verbatim quote. So that's what they consider to be the most important point, the reason why we shouldn't know. Then you've got uh, the fundamentalist uh, religious sects who who, uh, would probably feel threatened by the fact their religion isn't quite what they say it is. And anyway, they're trying to come up with all sorts of reasons. But... uh, and that that really that sort of disappeared into the archives, but it's been it's been sort of brought out, and this is the reason why they hide or they doctor all these images. I mean, just take but the face on Mars, right? Sorry, Chris. Oh yes, yes. 
No, no, carry on. That's very interesting. I wanted to ask you about the face on Mars, what you thought about ah, that. Yeah. Well, that was something that was, um, it was relayed in, I think it was 1976. And it was such a striking image. And that, you know, press conferences were held about that, you know, signs of intelligent life on Mars. And it's got a slightly sphinx-like quality to it. And so, you know, you think ancient Egypt. And then they found that this face was uh, in what looked like a pyramid city. And there were about three or four pyramids, five-sided pyramids, uh, four-sided pyramids. And they they really looked like artificial structures. So that threw them into a tiswas. So what they did was they re-imaged the original photograph of the face on Mars and saying, well, we've now had a closer look and it isn't at all a human face. It's just a pile of rocks. It's, it doesn't look like anything particular. But when you look at the original image, it's clearly a human face. And this is yes. this is what they're doing. Yes. But the truth will come out, right? Especially when people like yourself and uh, many different authors are revealing this information. The thing is, people listening to this show... Uh, keep doing the research, and Alison has mentioned some very good books too, and also research. Uh, we have a wonderful book in the Ethereum Society, which Alison referred to, Life on the Planets, um, which has absolutely fantastic information about not only Mars, but the other planets in our solar system, which, absolutely. Um, you know, when, it, when these transmissions were given in the 1950s, um, it seemed, you know, very hard to to accept some of these, uh, you know, things that were being said. But right now, as Alison's saying about the the canals on Mars and the oxygen, actually, Mars Sector Six, and I'm reading this, is uh, your scientists have stated there's little evidence of oxygen in the atmosphere. This is because their instruments are indeed primitive. Well, of course, in the 50s they were, but now, as Alison's saying, it has been um, proven. So it's a fantastic resource resource to have. So I mean, there, the there's Mar- other, uh, other evidence. Sorry, Chrissy, sorry? please carry on. No, I, no, was, I was going say to that, say that um, other evidence from life and the planets, like um, underground cities. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, when that was given in, what, 1958, when the transmission was first delivered, no one would really so. consider that a possibility. No. But there are now infrared images of underground cities. Really? And in Tell fact, beneath, yes, beneath, uh, well, it, it first, first of all, it was the, the Russian probes that first photographed that. And, you know, they're far more open in some ways about, uh, you know, extraterrestrial life. You know, they're not frightened to publicize it. They don't do anything much with it, but at least they were more open about their findings. Yeah. And then Themis, um, uh, infrared or thermal images were taken of Cydonia, and that also reveals that the face is a, a different structure to the surrounding landscape. It's uh, sort of artificial, and each element or landscape has its own thermal signature. But then they found beneath the surface these city blocks, and there were nine nine different layers of images that were taken different uh, different wavelengths of infrared 
And when they were all overlaid one over the other, they all looked, you could see it was one image. So that was not tampered with. And it's picking up a heat signature from beneath the surface. And there are several of those. And I mean, it is actually, uh, Mars Sector 6 stated that uh, their buildings are on the surface and below as well. Yes. And yes, he says some buildings have shape power. And of course, we know pyramids are regarded as being the iconic uh, structures having shape power. And I think that's another clue to the origins or the link, link up between Earth and Mars. And that is just the pyramids. Very interesting, because we know that the pyramids have a, a significance far beyond you know, the fact that they're tombs and so on, they have a tremendous significance for the planet itself. And I'm sure the ones on Mars would as well. What do you, do you have theories about that? Well, I think that uh, this goes back to, uh, you know, sort of the pre-flood days, certainly Atlantean times, because on Earth, for instance, there are pyramids all over the world. They've got them in China, you, you can find pyramids in South America. Um, they found some in Bosnia, can you believe it, that really? date back really? to 30,000 years and uh, are now deemed to be artificial. Really? And I mean, yeah. when you go in, yes, it is, it's quite incredible. And there, so there was like a whole period of our history when we were building pyramids. And I think it created a power grid and was yeah. using or transmitting the energy from the Earth itself as a planet. And yeah. then they could use this energy. And I'm sure that's what they did on Mars. And of course, we probably learned the technology from Mars. If a, I mean, that's, yeah. we're getting closer to the truth now. Yeah, and I, I believe Dr. King referred to something along those lines about the, you know, the potency of the uh, and significance of the pyramids on on this planet. Perhaps even Alison, there's a, a link between the pyramids on Mars and the pyramids on Earth. Who knows? Um, an energetic link, perhaps, or certainly in the past, perhaps. Who knows? It's just a theory, anyway. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, some of these images, that are like the face, in fact, there's more than one face. They found another one, which is a very beautiful face. And that's, that was commented on by Tom Van Flanden. And these images are designed to be seen from the air, just like the Nazca lines mm. of Peru. You've got these petroglyphs. And, uh, you know, there's one on the side of a mountain of a spaceman. Really? You know, I mean, they're trying to explain it away as being something else. I mean, I think we really just have to look at it, at what it actually is. And then you look at the legends and, you know, you put two and two together. And, uh, you know, there's you were getting the picture of a great advanced civilization on Mars with links to our planet. Absolutely. I think, Alison, this might be a good time to take a break, and afterwards we can focus more on the advanced intelligences that you just referred to and uh, their message to us. Yes. So uh, right. let's hand, hand over to our producer, Nikki, uh, for the announcements. 
Thank Thanks. you. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, you're, you're listening to a Sirius Radio Live with host Chrissy Blaze and her guest, Alison Lawrence, talking about the fascinating subject of Mars, the Red Planet. For your further study, available from www.asirius.org, are various publications available as both printed books and e-books, including Wisdom of the Planets by Dr. George King, Contacts with the Gods from Space by Dr. George King with Richard Lawrence, as well as lectures available as CDs and downloads, together with further information on how you can cooperate with the Gods from Space which leads me very neatly into the next announcement. 12 Midnight GMT, July the 5th, heralds in what is known as the first hour of the second spiritual push for 2016, when the Sears Society centers worldwide welcome into orbit of Earth a giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite, which floods our world with much-needed spiritual energy. For the duration of this spiritual push, or magnetization period, which lasts until August the 5th, all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. You are warmly invited to attend one of our centers for the potent first hour service and any of our services and activities held throughout this period. Please visit www.athirus.org for full details on this. Every Saturday and Sunday, you can join in with the live online services. To find out more, please visit www.12blessings.org. That's 12 in digits. At the Aetherius Temple in London on Sunday, June 26th at 2 p.m., there is an afternoon workshop entitled SAVE, Positive Thinking for Spiritual Happiness, led by Brian Craig. You can find out what SAVE stands for by visiting the website london-temple.org. For regular activities at the Michigan branch, please visit www.etheriusmi.org. And now we return you to your host, Chrissy Blaze, and her guest, Alison Lawrence. Thank you very much, Nikki. And thank you for bringing up satellite number three, because it's something that uh, Alice and I are going to talk about later on. But, um, of course, satellite number three is from the planet Mars, which leads me to um, go back to you, Alison, and uh, yes, you know, right. carry on from where we left off. And you were talking about the uh, buildings, the cities that have been discovered and photographed amazingly uh, under the surface, as is uh, mentioned in our teachings that there are, and also on the surface, and of course, uh, we do believe in the Ethereum Society that the um, intelligences who live on the planet Mars are highly, highly advanced, not just technologically far more advanced than we are, but also spiritually and technologically. And I'd like to um, hand over to Alison to talk a little bit more about that and, and, and the, how the, the beings on Mars sort of more about where they live and, and um, how they operate on their planet uh, and what their, their, their role is, if you like, in the solar system. It's kind of a big question, but I know you can handle it, Alison. Uh, right, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, the Martian intelligences, uh, they are the uh, scientists, if you like, of the solar system because every planet 
in this solar system is inhabited and we must always remember that and they they have a lot of their their machinery plants and uh, all that is all underground and they make uh, spacecraft for uh, the other planets as well and for instance if um, say on Jupiter they receive what you call an order for about uh, 700 craft they will be made on Mars, taken to Mars, put in orbit around perhaps one of the moons. But of course, they don't barter in the same way they do that we do here on Earth. They give them because it's all going to be used for spiritual purposes. And also, they, uh, they certainly have mastered the science of crystals in a way that we haven't on Earth. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, schools, uh, in fact, schools are built of crystal, which is amazing, so that um, the younger inhabitants, the younger Martians, can receive the vibrations coming from other parts of the solar system. And they have schools, but of course, you know, they're all, they all want to learn, and they all revere the perfect from Saturn. And in, in fact, all the buildings upon all, on, on all the evolved planets are built to attract the prevalent magnetic currents on the planet and in harmony with the perfects of Saturns who are the most evolved beings in this solar system and they all look up to them and revere them. And there is a, co a constant interchange between Martian and other inhabitants of our solar system and they, they regard life as being the great teacher um, it's really, you know, they have a whole different approach. Uh, knowledge is used for, for advancement, really. And it's done telepathically. And um, it's all done in silence. This is now according to Mars Sector 6. And so, you, you uh, pointed out that they are the builders of the solar system. That's interesting, Alison, because in astrology, it is the the energy of Mars is the building energy. You know, it's, it's so... It's, it's, astrologically speaking so that's an interesting correlation there um yeah. as well and it's it's so fascinating isn't it because as, as you've pointed out in the first half of the show there is this tremendously fascinating information being revealed now through science and a lot of people are studying it and reading these books that you've referred to and others and i know there's quite a few radio shows um paranormal shows and so on tv shows that mention some of this research but in the Ethereum Society, we take it further because th th there's a point when, you know, you might take on board, yes, there are cities beneath the planet and, and this and this, and you can believe all that, but then you have to take the leap. Well, who's building them? And this is the really fascinating part, isn't it, Alison? The fascinating part is the, um, the extraterrestrial intelligences, the cosmic masters, as we call them, themselves. And this is the leap that I think people generally need to take. And to be honest, you won't find any better information than through um, the Ethereum Society because Dr. King the, uh, received over 600 uh, transmissions, as we call them, messages from uh, cosmic masters over the years during his mission. And many of these uh, were from a uh, Martian adept called or, or Karmic Lord, now the Mars Sector 6. And... Um, so this this is the truly fascinating side. I mean, what you're, you've been saying is fascinating too. It's like a this is the leap that we have to take. This is and this then is the leading the to the real message. Yeah. 
Yes, and of course the question I think people will be asking who may be new to this show, Alison, is, well, if all this is true, um, why don't the Martians come and land on this Earth? Well, the reason for that is that there would be a karmic pressure upon all the inhabitants if, if suddenly a great Martian intelligence landed in a flying saucer in, the, in the, say, the Hollywood Bowl or Hyde Park, as we'd say here in London, and then yeah. we didn't follow his directives, we would be in a karmic difficulty. This is the problem. It's something yeah. that they're very aware of because their whole life is fashioned around the karmic law. And that's something that we don't do. But they want us to know that they are there. And yeah. um, th- there's a, an early transmission delivered by uh, a, another sector of Mars. And we refer to this great Martian intelligence as Mars Sector 8. And uh, he, gave a, a, he delivered a transmission in 1957. Uh, and the question there was... From where come the men in black? And the answer is the silence group. So there is like a battle between the forces of light who want the truth to come out and the the darker forces or the the shadowy elements of our terrestrial government who want to prevent us from knowing the truth because that will open up so many uh, new vistas about our religion, the origins of our religion, and I think certain people who are in control don't want to lose that control. Yeah, and this silence group, I know, they, they, you know, if anybody reports uh, UFO sightings, they're suddenly, they can be visited and threatened. They, their family will be threatened or they'll disappear. And further on in this transmission, Mars Sector, Sec, uh, Mars Sector 8 made this statement. Terror, we know of the existence of this organization. We have prepared our counter plan. This plan is now in operation. We will win eventually. So it's like a slowly, slowly approach to change, to help us to change from within. That's their strategy. Rather than it being forced upon us, it's like drip feed. You know, we're being conditioned. to appreciate life on other worlds, certainly the possibility of it, even just through science fiction. Okay, maybe a lot of it is fantasy, but at least we now can understand the concept of life on other worlds, whereas at one time it would have been, well, it would have just been laughed, laughed out or told it's uh, heretical. You, you know, if you look back in our history, we've got a very dark history. But yes. that is why the cosmic teachings are given now. Now we know Jesus comes from Venus. And even though it's yes. actually in the Bible, it came from the house of David and the bright and morning star. Well, that is Venus, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and um, one thing that uh, Nikki mentioned in the announcements was, was of course, we may say, well, why aren't they coming here and landing on Earth. Well, I don't say that, but some people may say that. But we must never forget that they are helping us tremendously oh. from the other planets in the solar system. And what? of course, as I mentioned, we can't cons- satellite we number can't three. Think what a- yes. I mean, what our world would be like 
without their intervention in the way that they, they intervene, well, we wouldn't have a world. There'd exactly. be nothing left of it. Exactly. And they can only really and help in spiritual ways. This is the whole point. And it's up and to us to, to reach out. But we can, I, I believe that we can prove their existence to ourselves uh, during the times that Nikki mentioned of the spiritual pushes. And we only have to wait a couple of weeks for the next one to come up, which starts on July the 5th, right through to August the 5th. And it's a time when the craft from Mars um, satellite number three uh, is coming into orbit of Earth, or, or, or is, um, I don't know whether it still comes in orbit of Earth, I think it does, and also other solar systems as well, uh, is able to pinpoint any individual on Earth. And this may have sounded really uh, very an alien concept when it, we were first told about it in the 50s, but now, of course, through Google Maps, we know it's possible to, and we have the technology to do it they can pinpoint yes, any individual on Earth we do yeah yes who is performing a selfless act it doesn't matter if they're christian buddhist jewish hindu muslim humanitarian or atheist it doesn't matter but they're performing a selfless act for another person for a group of people or for the world um, or for their own spiritual practices in a certain way then that action is enhanced through their advanced technology by 3,000 times. And I say you can prove it to yourselves because, as, as Nikki mentioned, we have services around the world to cooperate with this time period. We have in, in ten, you know, enhanced services and so forth, which anyone can join in, or you can uh, join in with the services. If you're not near a center, you can go to 12blessings.org and join in the services held on Saturdays and Sundays. And you can feel the difference, I believe, uh, between the services held outside the spiritual push before July the 1st. I absolutely I agree with after. you totally. Over and over you, again, people new yes. to it will say, my goodness me, I didn't really believe, but when I did that, the service, it can't be anything else because I felt so much energy. Um, so, it Alison, is, it you're, is the quite incredible. You're, you're the scientist I mean, amongst us. So yes. Perhaps you could explain um, um, briefly um, the, the science that's used by satellite number three uh, with the, the crystal. You mentioned the crystals. And Alison, I have to say, is also a gemologist amongst her many other skills. So she does know a lot about crystals and so forth. So I don't know whether you want to say a few words about um, satellite number three. Well, what it has it, uh, built into it is a huge prism. I mean, we can't Im imagine. It's the, the, the first model uh, of satellite number three was, 1500, was about 1,500 miles long or something. It was uh, a huge ovoid-shaped craft. And energies from the sun are picked up by this prism and then radiated through different crystals, and then they're conditioned, and then they're, radiate, they're radiated out again. And it's amazing to think that on, on board this huge satellite, there is a dossier of every human being on the planet, their karmic history, where they are now, as soon as they want to invoke this energy or they perform an act of service, it like sends up a signal and energy is radiated down to them. And there must be hundreds of operators on this huge satellite, this 
huge it's an intergalactic satellite and that was uh, you know built by martian technology we we can't even begin to appreciate the advancement of the science that they have and yet they say this is what is so it's so inspiring that if we take steps towards them if we you know follow their advice the time will come when they will be able to land among us I mean, that is, that is exactly. really something to look forward to. I know. And, and every time we do cooperate during these uh, spiritual pushes, which are like gifts given to us, and we have uh, four of these periods each year, I believe I'm right in saying, of about um, yes. four or five weeks each. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing our spiritual work at other times, but if we really no, make a no. point of, of doing it, um, this next spiritual push everybody listening and everybody about to listen to this show in the future, if you did that and upped your spiritual practices during this time, I think there would definitely be a difference in the world. Um, I was only reading the other day, Alison, about the Global Consciousness Project by, I think, Dr. Reg- Roger Nelson, who I actually met oh, yeah. actually once in London. He, he was at Princeton University and he pioneered the project where they're able to uh, monitor uh, uh, things that are happening in the world, such as uh, terrible things like tragedies, like the recent one in Orlando, Florida, or uh, spiritual times of you know mass meditations or prayer, because they're able to to monitor this. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if he could, if this project would um, monitor for us, uh, you know, a certain if everybody could come together during a spiritual push and they could monitor the difference? Because I am absolutely sure there would be. Uh, well, they would, especially if you get if you get real large groups of people all thinking in the same way. It's it's a very very powerful act. I mean, this the problem with our world is the shortage of spiritual energy. You know, yeah. as I was saying earlier, you've got this constant battle between the, the forces of darkness, you know, generated from the lower astral realms, and then. Then they have their representatives, as you want to call them, that here on the physical plane, and they want to stop the truth coming out. And so, you know, every time you do some, uh, you know, an evil act, it gives them the, the, the darker side more strength. So we have to fight this on the spiritual level, yes. and we have to put the right energy into the mind belt, and then people will will suddenly find that they're drawn to it. You know, it, it it'll affect them you know subliminally and they'll they won't yeah. want to go to war they'll want to have peace and you know send out this lovely wonderful uh, spiritual energy of light and love and compassion which is what's so badly needed in our world and well satellite number three as you were saying is just a wonderful way to have to enhance this energy and of course it also helps on a karmic level as well if we consciously tune into satellite number three and cooperate with them, it helps all. It helps the world on a karmic level as well. Absolutely. You know. And it's interesting you use the word fight because in a, in a positive spiritual way, which you meant that word, is another sort of word that's you know connected to the planet Mars in astrology. But of course, it's fighting for the truth. And even Mars sector six in his transmission one of his fantastic transmission called prepare ye o men he says prepare ye o workers to fight and of course he didn't mean fight others in the world no no absolutely he meant fight the darkness which you're referring to the forces of darkness 
And um, as you mentioned, Alison, we have to keep positive. It's very important because I know there's a lot of doubt in the world and a lot of fear, but it's so important to keep positive and realize that light will always win. It will always yes, win. And it, it will, will in the win. end. It yes. will win. And we have to all keep that in front of us and never doubt. And this is where the, I think the, the wonderful series of transmissions by the karmic lord Mars Sector 6, the Nine Freedoms, is an essential tool for all spiritual students because the first freedom alone, bravery, is the one I think at this time in our history, do you agree, Alison, is what we really need, actually, man, humanity well, as a whole. I mean, Mars Sector 6 has cut through all the tomes and the long-winded explanations about life, and he's cut it down to the essential steps we need to take in order to evolve in our, in our present situation. And he's looking at our history, our present condition, uh, the, the spiritual advancement, the technological advancements that we have, social, our social conditioning. And bravery is one of the most important things. Absolutely. And, you know, it's bravery is also fighting conditioning. It's not just bravery, I'm going to fight the next battle. It's fighting the conditioning and being prepared to say, yes, I am a fighter for truth and uh, not flinch. And uh, yeah. it'll give you strength. It'll give you a spiritual strength if you really believe in yourself and believe in the path. And this is where I think the nine freedoms is so liberating because yeah. it gives you yeah. a path to eternity. I mean, the sun, solar existence. I mean, it doesn't end. We just we go through cycles, different cycles. And um, I know the last time we spoke about we spoke about the ascended masters, but the Martian life cycle is the next cycle that we could we could certainly be part of, or in tune with. You know, when we have learned every lesson we need to learn on this earth. And oh, yes. there's no yeah. limit. Could you say a little bit more about that, Alison? That's fascinating, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, it starts with interplanetary. We get to interplanetary existence. We have to go through the steps. It was bravery, uh, love, service. Um, then we have uh, enlightenment, cosmic consciousness, ascension. Mm -hmm. We go through those steps. And when you go through the portals of ascension, that final initiation, you then can have the choice of either joining the spiritual hierarchy of Earth, where you will have an ascended body and you, you stay on this Earth because you are driven, really, to help humanity. Or if you have certain abilities, you could then go on to interplanetary existence and you could then, as a soul, be introduced into, for example, the Martian life cycle. And you would be born through the Logos of the planet as an adult and you will be then part of a new of another ancient civilization but it doesn't mean that you're divorced from your you know from earth but you you have that choice and then you everything you would do would be totally in cooperation with the karmic law you would have a much greater understanding of life and of god because i mean cos co cosmic consciousness is the most advanced concept that we have on this earth about God. But it doesn't end there. I mean, what is, uh, what is 
meditation at Saturnian level. You know, we don't know. You know, God is infinite. Our perception of God cannot ever be limited, and that's also in the Twelve Blessings. (laughs) Yes. The the Twelfth Blessing, we cannot possibly limit any concept of God. And we're only limited by our own limitations. Absolutely. But it's... You know, it's just wonderful to think that there's a purpose for life and it's ever-evolving. I think that's the most important message of it all, really. And we can cooperate with these wonderful beings who are desperate to help us. You know, they they want to welcome us into the the family of the solar system. They want to bring us back. Because we were there, in fact, I think, if I'm right, in the ancient days of Lemuria... Earth was represented in interplanetary parliament, and then we fell. And uh, you, you know, we've we have to several times, climb have back. We, we have to climb back out of the pit. Yeah. Of, of but the wonderful thing is that the Mars Sector Six has given us the tools through the Nine Freedoms. Really, the first three, which we've talked about in previous shows, and if you are new to this, I go back to the archives and listen to the Nine Freedom shows. Um, the first three, bravery, love, and service, that really is the key to kind of going, I think. And, of course, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment, which is yes. a, a wonderful aphorism by Mars Sector 6, is the motto of the Aetherius Society, because it's service that is the key. Yes, and the emphasis. It really yes. is. And if you think, well, what's service? It kind of, it's misunderstood, I think, the word. But get hold of a copy of the Nine Freedoms and read the Third Freedom, because it is so wonderful and so liberating. And you know, it's not difficult to um, to sort of change your life, and you can do it incrementally through uh, prayers every day for the world or healing. You know, it doesn't need to. It's not going to necessarily happen all at once, but you know, Absolutely. then you're going in the right direction. You sensitize, you sensitize yourself to these higher vibrations. And then that in turn will help to open up the psychic centers. You know, it sort yeah. of feeds off itself in a way, if that's the right way to put it. And the more you do, the more perception you have, the more you will want to do. Because then you'll suddenly realize that we're all part of the whole. And everything that we do affects the whole, for better or for worse. Absolutely. And that's a, a very important aspect of the cosmic message that we've yes, been given. Absolutely, Alison. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot yes. here. Before we hand oh. over to Nikki for the announcements, do you have uh, something that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Perhaps something related to Mars Sector Six or Mars Sector Eight, who you also refer to a a teaching that or or, or a concept or uh, some wisdom that you'd like to share that would be very helpful to people, I think, at this time? Um, Yes, there is a message. Um, I'll just see if I can find it. Uh, Yes, there's a wonderful message. Well, in fact, you know, Dr. King, our master, made this, uh, he gave us this wonderful a little teaching or or something that we can do, practice. And he said that the next time we see Mars in the sky, 
we should send mm. a blessing to the creator of all things for creating beings like the Martians. And this is now a quote for the help, guidance, logic and profound inspiration that we have received over the centuries. And we'll never be out of the debt that we owe to the great Martians only by divine cancellation. I mean, that is quite a statement. It is. So let's be, let's live in this place of being so grateful for the great ones, the great cosmic masters who have not only uh, come to this earth, uh, physically come in many, many cases, but are helping us in tremendously important ways at this time in our history. Let's offer to them our thanks, as Alison said, our, our blessings and our love. Uh, thank you so much, Alison. It's been such a fascinating show. I really, really appreciate oh, thank you. having you as <laughs> thank you for inviting a guest me. today. Yes, and uh, let's hand over to uh, Nikki now uh, for the announcements. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy and Alison, for such an insight into our planetary labor, Mars. You have been listening to a Sirius Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month. The next show will be on Tuesday, July 19th, entitled The Primary Initiation of Earth. Don't miss it. It will truly be the hour of truth. For more information on the fascinating facts mentioned in the show or to connect with the Aetherius Society, please visit www.aetherius.org. You can connect with Chrissy Blaze by visiting her website, www.chrissyblaze.com. Thank you so very much for listening, and please enjoy the rest of the month.